This is Where You Are, a podcast that helps families and their children promote their mental health and wellness. We navigate a range of topics to meet you where you are in your journey. I'm Michelle Horn. And I'm Shar Black. This podcast is brought to you by BC Children's Kelty Mental Health Resource Centre. We're a hub for mental health and substance use information, resources, and peer support for families across BC. Anxiety is one of the most common mental health challenges. Today on Where You Are, we focus on what anxiety is, typical symptoms, and common situations children and youth experience anxiety. Our hope is that you'll take away an understanding of why it happens, and most importantly, what you can do to help your child manage their anxiety. Later in the episode, I'll be speaking with a parent about their family's experience with anxiety. But first, Cheryl will be speaking with Dr. Sandra Clark. Thanks, Michelle. I'm really looking forward to exploring anxiety at a deeper level with Dr. Sandra Clark. She's a clinical psychologist working at BC Children's Hospital with expertise in the assessment and treatment of anxiety disorders. She also provides support to parents around a number of issues, including parenting strategies and behavior management. She's the co-author of the Taming Worry Dragon series, which includes a number of manuals for helping anxious children and youth. Thanks, Dr. Clark, for joining us. We like to start every podcast with a mindful moment, and I'm wondering if you're able to lead that for us today. Absolutely. We um, do a mindful arriving activity with the parents for the um, parent groups that we run here at Children's Hospital, so I'm happy to do that. We'll start and end with the bell. We want you to begin by sitting comfortably in your chair with your feet flat on the floor, your back upright, shoulders relaxed, and your hands resting in your lap. Allow your eyes to close if you feel comfortable, or if you prefer, just find a spot on the floor and gaze softly downwards. Start by noticing the physical sensations in your body, your feet touching the floor, your back on the chair, where your arms and hands are. Now bring your attention to the fact that you're breathing and bring your spotlight of attention to the movements of the breath in and out of your body. You don't need to change the breath, just follow how it goes naturally. If your mind starts to wander as minds tend to do, just gently guide your mind back to your awareness of the sensations of the breath. And you may need to do this again and again. And when you're ready, you can slowly open your eyes, refreshed, arrived, and ready for this moment. Thank you, Dr. Clark. That was wonderful. I'm very refreshed now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we like to start with that um, in the parent groups that we run for um, parents of anxious children, because it's a very different way of, of arriving and starting an activity. Yeah, it, I felt like it reset my body, so it was really great. Can you explain to our listeners what anxiety is and some of the typical signs of anxiety in both children and you? So anxiety is generally thought of a feeling of being worried, nervous, or feel, fearful. Um, anxiety is a normal human um experience. And in fact, it's been quite an adaptive experience. So we want to feel some level of anxiety when we need to, when there's some danger to keep us safe. 
Um, and a little bit of anxiety can help with motivation and focus, say, if you are doing some public speaking or having to give a presentation in class or before a test. What happens with anxiety is essentially three things. So we first have um, a response in our body. So we, we notice um, perhaps our heart starts to pound, we might feel shaky or jittery, and our body is essentially getting ready to deal with the danger that would have been presented. And it puts our body into what people commonly know as the fight, flight, or freeze response. So, And then we have often um, a thought process that goes along with that. Oh, this must be something terrible happening. So we have some kind of um, kind of worry thought that essentially goes with that. And then we have an action or a behavior. And often in kids and teens, it's avoidance, um, resistance to doing things, uh, procrastination, tantrums crying so we have so anxiety has these three um these three components are there any other signs and symptoms that are related to more physical symptoms that parents might miss absolutely um stomach aches are probably one of the more common things that happen for kids uh, headaches is one um crying irritability difficulty falling asleep and in your work with children and youth, what are the most common worries they express to you? The common ones include any kind of change to a routine or an activity, going to new activities, uh, starting new class, new school, for example, um, not doing well enough in school. So whether it's sort of self-perceived expectations. And for teens, often it's around fears of uh, being judged or they'll do something embarrassing and then that will just be catastrophic and the end of the world. And so we all know that, as you already expressed, that children and youth all experience some form of worries and anxiety. But at what point do you tell parents and, and families that they should actually be concerned with their level of uh, their children's worries? When kids are experiencing some of those symptoms I discussed earlier in terms of the headaches, stomach aches, excessive question asking, reassurance, procrastination, avoidance, those things are happening a lot of the time and more intensely than warrants the situation. And for a longer period of time, often that's the time to think, hmm, maybe I should seek some outside help. And what would this support typically look like? So often it's really ensuring that parents have that kind of help and support and knowing what they're experiencing is really quite typical and common. So that's the first thing. The second thing for kids whose anxiety is more extreme and more excessive than typical. The main therapy approach is an evidence-based treatment called cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. And it is really considered the first line treatment. And they learn the C parts, the cognition, the thoughts. I'm worried mom and dad may not pick me up on time. You know, something terrible will happen if I trip in the hallway and someone will laugh at me. So really exploring those anxious thoughts and then those associated physical sensations and behaviors. And then learning to shift those thought patterns to something more realistic, more balanced, 
learning strategies to calm the body down, and then facing anxiety-provoking situations in a stepwise way. So that's essentially what cognitive behavioral therapy is, the treatment of choice uh, as a first line. Some kids need medication, and that's really to help reset some of the physiological sensations that kids have, where their anxiety is so high, they, for lots of reasons, just can't take advantage of the cognitive behavioral therapies. Um, so ensuring that kids are getting enough sleep when they're well-rested, eating regularly, getting enough exercise, enough activity but not overly scheduled, important to have some downtime, and thinking about this as family-wide strategies, so not just for the kids, but really looking at what you can do as a family, the better able everyone in a family is going to be able to handle the anxieties as they do come up. And you, so you just touched on kind of hitting on the basics and um, doing this as a family. Are there any other effective strategies that parents and caregivers can try at home to help their anxious child? What we know about anxiety is it 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 essentially has a contagion to it. So if anx- if kids are anxious, it creates a lot of anxiety in, in families, and a lot of that is because of the micro movements in our bodies and our faces that kids and parents pick up from each other. So learning some of the mindfulness skills we're finding is one really helpful strategy so that parents are able to respond in a more reasoned, thoughtful way as opposed to the reactive, my child is anxious, this is terrible, and then that anxiety feeds on the child's anxiety and things. So the mindfulness strategies and skills are um, very helpful for parents. And then you mentioned this contagion piece. I kind of want to jump to parents, actually. So parents can often experience their own anxiety. What what tips do you have for them? I think for parents to use the, the anxious behaviors in their child as a way to know there's something their child's not able to cope with in that particular moment. I happen to have been one of those parents that had an an anxious younger child. So I was the parent with the child clinging to my leg when I tried to drop him off at preschool and, um, and early elementary school. And it's hard as a parent to see your kids in distress, but to know they're going to be okay. So I have a young child too, and I feel like I get anxious sometimes and have to watch what type of behavior I'm kind of presenting to them. Do you have any um, comments around how parents should model behavior? Absolutely. It's a balance between being empathetic and supportive and modeling confidence that your child will be okay. The tendency is, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. We don't want our kids to worry. So really giving kids an opportunity um, to, to just talk about what's going on for them. And then knowing as a parent Anxiety is a false alarm. There isn't a danger. They're going to be okay. So modeling confidence. Um, Anxiety does come up quite often within times of transition, such as heading back to school. Could you provide some specific tips for families whose children um, experience back-to-school anxiety? It's important to keep in mind, as you mentioned, transitions. So often anxious kids also are worried about school finishing 
and summer holidays. So you think it's a wonderful time. We're all looking forward to these family vacations or not being in school. And for anxious kids, that too can be a time of transition. So having parents really know they may not be super enthusiastic about the holidays you've planned or the camps you've put them in, but that's their natural tendency. It's a time of transition. And again, listening to them and helping them get through that. Great. Thanks for making that point. (laughs) There are, however, some things that generally can be helpful in and thinking about a couple of weeks before school starts, getting back into a bit of a routine. Often we're sleeping in a little bit later over the summer holidays where there's less structure. So start by shifting bedtimes earlier, wake times a little bit earlier, and schedule in some structure, even if that's here's when we're going to have breakfast, we're, this is the time we're going to go to the park, This is so that kids are getting used to having that structure again. And as a parent, monitoring your own behavior. So really knowing their kids are going to be safe and modeling that confidence. Um, Often for very young kids or even high school kids as they're making that first transition is go to the school, have a look around, um, go to the playground, um, spend some time just being in the neighborhood. Uh, For maybe teens that are starting to take the bus, take the bus with them a couple of times so they know the route, they know how long it's going to take. And what about the children that continue to experience anxiety at school after not really transitioning into school or out of school? Do you have anything to comment about that in terms of maybe having um, anxious feelings around friendships or not doing well? Or I think a couple of things to keep in mind are knowing your child's temperament. And if you know you have an anxious child, you can monitor that. And if things don't settle down after a month or two of school, that might be the time then to, if it's school specific, to connect with the teacher, perhaps the school counselor or someone else that can help. Let, letting teachers know what your kids need can often be very helpful so that they're able to help with that. If things, again, don't settle, then that might, again, be the time to look for some some further um, support. It's really important that kids go to school and go to activities. So even if they're feeling anxious and it's not settling, it's still important to look at some of the other strategies and tools we've talked about earlier. We know that uh, avoidance no matter what that looks like, not going to school, not going to activities, not sleeping in their own bed, actually can reinforce anxiety in a negative way. Um, And it's not helpful, although as a parent, your heartstrings are often pulled at that moment because you don't want to see your kids in distress. But it's really essential for managing anxiety that kids don't miss school. What are some anxiety resources for children and youth that can be helpful with managing anxiety? One of the first things that I like to say is, as a, as a family, look at your own resources internally. So you as a parent, what, what are your strengths as a parent? How do you manage things? What are the strengths in your kids? So really looking at your family's functioning and system, what are the things that are going well that you can build on? That's really important, as opposed to recommending a whole bunch of books mm-hmm. that people think, oh, I should read all these things. It's like, read the book of, your, of yourself and your family and how you can help support your kids. There are, I know, Kelty Mental Health, mm-hmm website has a lot of excellent resources, including some excellent apps for kids. Uh, looking at the the good resources like Kelty Mental Health, the Children's Hospital Bookstore and Library website, and Anxiety Canada, previously known as Anxiety BC. So thank you so much for being on the podcast, Dr. Clark. We really appreciate your time. It's been my pleasure. Hi, I'm Michelle Horn. You've just been listening to Shar's conversation with Dr. Clark. 
a clinical psychologist from BC Children's Hospital with expertise in child and youth anxiety. Next on our podcast is Tracy. Tracy is a parent of two children, aged 12 and 14. Both of her kids have been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and the oldest with obsessive compulsive disorder, also known as OCD. She is married and lives in Vancouver with her family and three dogs. All right. So Tracy, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, just to start things off, can you tell us a bit about your family's mental health journey related to anxiety? I have um, two children, age 12 and 14. Um, my oldest is uh, my son and my daughter is 12. Um, they're, she's going into high school this year. Um, both my children have general anxiety disorders and my son was recently diagnosed with OCD. Um, I think my son got diagnosed probably when he was in grade four and my daughter a few years ago. And what were some of the first kind of signs and symptoms that you noticed that you thought might be anxiety before diagnosis? With my son, there was a lot of separation anxiety. Then it started getting lots of issues around sleep. So he was so anxious about not getting enough sleep that he couldn't sleep. And so there was a lot of pacing around the house all night. Um, he would, you know, feel sick and be shaking it just fed mm -hmm. itself and it got to a point where we pretty quickly realized that there was something that it was something that we couldn't manage. Mm -hmm. um, with my daughter, a lot of her issues with anxiety were around food, which of course raised a lot of alarms with a young girl not wanting to eat. She got quite sick with pneumonia um, and was sick for a long time. And she somehow related that to uh, food. So, I mean, it was her anxiety, but what it manifested it in was issues around eating and will what I eat make me sick. There was a lot of um, tears about going to restaurants. She would only eat what I made her. Is it safe? Will it make me sick? Looking for constant reassurance. And we, we know that like some level of anxiety is kind of normal and mm -hmm. happens with all children for mm -hmm. your family. How did you kind of uh, uh, decide that it was kind of time to seek out extra support? I'm not sure what exactly it was with my son that made us take him. We, I mean, we went to the GP and our GP talked to him and said, I think we should do a referral to the mental health unit. How do you feel about that? And I was like, great, like mm -hmm. we need help. Um, and it was certainly becoming, like anxiety does, um, an issue for the whole family because mm -hmm. anywhere we would go, he would watch the clock and he wanted to get home, get home, get home because he wanted his wind down time for sleeping. So it it started to take over everything. And then when my daughter started having issues around food, I think, you know, part of what we'd gone through with my son made it very obvious that, oh. This is anxiety and this is something that we need help with. And after um, your children received diagnoses, mm -hmm. what were the treatments or support supports that your family found most useful? Well, there was a few things. I mean, my both my children have done individual therapy like CBT, um, fear ladders, that sort of thing. I think the thing that was most helpful for our family, because certainly... It took us a long time to realize that the anxiety was an entire family 
issue. It's, you're, you know, it's something that your child has in sort of air quotes, um, but it certainly becomes something that affects everyone. Um, so I think for our family, the thing that made the biggest difference was parenting workshops with parenting children with anxiety. That was huge. The what you know, they go to therapy for an hour a week, and it's great. And they leave with homework, but they're with you the rest of the time. And it's pretty easy to undo what they're doing in therapy and fall back into the same patterns. And parenting kids with anxiety is really counterintuitive to parenting and what you learn about parenting and how other people are parenting and probably how you were parented. It's very, very different. Can you speak a bit more about that? What are what are some ways that it is counterintuitive? When you think think of parenting, you think of support and reassurance and sort of protecting your children when they're younger from the world. And with children with anxiety, they need to be supported, but they need to be pushed. Mm -hmm. Dr. Clark talked quite a bit about that too when we were interviewing her about some of these things that feel how you want to protect your children mm-hmm. or actually reinforcing anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I imagine as a parent, that's really hard to, to well, push your you, children yeah. to do something they don't want when to do. When you see a child in distress, you want to help yeah. them and you want to protect them. And and the immediate feeling is, I want to make this better. Mm-hmm. So if they are begging you, please don't make me, I don't want to. I mean, my daughter would beg us to not um, go to restaurants. She would be hyster- like hysterical. And um, taking a child who's shaking <laughs> and white as a sheet because it's very physical, you know, to a restaurant and trying to baby step through that. I mean, it's, se- it's so hard. And it's, sometimes it's like, why are we doing this? Because why are, let's stay home. Why We're forcing her to do something that's making her physically ill. And you need, as a parent, to understand what's going on with anxiety, what's going on in their brain and their body to be confident that what you're doing is the right thing because it feels really wrong. Yeah, For sure. Yeah, Dr. Clark um, spoke about that as well, too, and what you were mentioning before about anxiety, really, it not just being the child, but it's it's something that affects the whole family. Mm -hmm. And it can almost be contagious within a family, because then you get anxious about going out as well, too, because you're worried about what might happen with your, your children. And she spoke a bit about the importance of parents just modeling kind of confidence and kind of staying calm. I'm Mm -hmm. wondering if that's something that is something that resonates with you and your family's experience, or if you can speak to that. Yes. So um, definitely, yeah, the mindful, part of it in realizing how it's making you feel. So, I mean, that was one of the things that I've really taken away from it is when my children's anxiety starts rising, how it starts physically affecting me and my body language and how I'm talking. Mm-hmm. And there is going pretty pretty quickly to, oh my God, here we go again. Or, oh, I thought we were done with this for a while. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, another thing that we hear often is a lot of kids struggle, particularly when it's times of transitions, the start of a new school year and or vacations or moves or, or whatnot. Has that mm-hmm. been something your family has experienced? And is there anything different that you do to tackle those specific transition times? Um, I think I definitely, s- we see it come up 
um, sort of even on holidays, like summer holidays, winter holidays, the anxiety sort of dip down and then start sort of ramping up as we're getting towards going back to school. I think part of what we find too in our family is when we get more unstructured. So over the holidays, trying to keep a bit of a structure with what time we wake up at and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But yeah, we certainly see um, my kids are starting to understand more what they need to feel well emotionally and mentally. For other families who are walking a similar journey or might be right in the thick of it right now, do you have any kind of final words of wisdom? If you have a child that's struggling with mental health, whether, you know, anxiety or you have to reach out for help and you have to think of it as any other medical issue that your child is having. It's something that needs um, the right care. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You're welcome. You can visit our website, keltymentalhealth.ca, for a number of anxiety resources, including the ones that Dr. Clark mentioned today. If you have any questions or comments, email us at keltycenter at cw.bc.ca. For each episode of Where You Are, go to keltymentalhealth.ca slash podcast and hit subscribe. You can also catch us wherever you listen to podcasts. We hope you'll make us a go-to resource to promote your family's mental health and wellness from where you are to where you want to be.